This week on the Vergecast, Alex Kranz and Tom Warren join the show. We go through everything that's coming up at WWDC next week. Tom walks us through the new version of Windows, and we go through what on earth is going on with AT&T and WarnerMedia. That's coming up on the Vergecast now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of alternative Android operating systems. Ooh. Where they spoon, we fork. The Vergecast. Oh <laughs> I'm your friend, Neli. Um, I am in our studio, in the office, for the first time in over a year. And I'm giddy with excitement, so I apologize to everyone if I'm just over the top today. But it is super fun to be back in the studio. Uh, Dieter Bone is here. I am your uh, resident NVIDIA Shield enthusiast. The only one. That's not. <laughs> no, no, Please no. don't email me. <laughs> we are legion. <laughs> there are so many of you, and all of you know how to use email. Tom Warren is here. Hello. I am your resident Windows 9 enthusiast. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Fewer, and also the email client doesn't work very well, so feel free. And we have a, we have a new guest. This is very exciting. Alex Kranz, the new managing editor of The Verge, is here. Hi, Alex. Hey, I am also a fan of the Shield. I'm sorry, Dieter, you're not alone. I'm here with you. Does a Shield have an email client? <laughs> yes. It should. Yeah, it's it's Android. It's got everything. What can't it do? Nothing. <laughs> no wonder Shield owners send so many emails. It has a built-in angry email. Very yeah. high powered. <laughs> well, Alex, it's good to have you here. First of many Vergecasts. I'm very excited to have you on the show. I want to start. We have a lot to talk about. WWC is next week. Microsoft is threatening to release a new version of Windows. we got to talk about that with Tom. Uh, E3 is coming up, although nobody knows anything about E3. And then we were off last week, so there's a bunch of news to talk about from last week, uh, most importantly of which is, of course, the AT&T Time Warner deal has <laughs> it's come to its inevitable conclusion, which is that it's over now. So a lot to catch up on. I do want to start where I always start with COVID. Uh, like I said, I'm in the office. Uh, it's We're in the United States, at least elsewhere in the world. It's still very bad. But the United States, it's still the biggest story going. We're still not out of it. But we are coming to what feels like an end of something. I think there's a lot of change to come. I think this summer is going to be nuts in the United States as everybody like emerges from seclusion. I think there's a lot of change to come. But we do have some stories on the site that I think point to there's a time of reflection that's happening. So Nicole Wetzman has a great story about all of the tech initiatives that we saw during the pandemic. We've talked about a lot of them on the show. There was the exposure notification system. There was a bunch of uh, Facebook and Google location data that was made available to researchers. 
there was a promise of a website. Was there was there a website, Eli? How long how long did it take them to make it? <laughs> it's not more than a year, and that website does not exist about where you can get tested. So Nicole has a rundown of what worked and what didn't. I, I think it is remarkable that exposure notifications just kind of didn't go anywhere. It's a really mixed result. She has a big breakdown of that. But the location data, location data that Google and Facebook made available as part of a program called Data for Good, they just released the data anonymously to researchers, and that has become a huge success in the, the scientific and academic community. So just a real, what did we learn from all of the tech initiatives? Uh, and it's, I think, some surprising results in there. So that's a great story. There is, it continues to be controversy about the origins of COVID. Nicole, actually, it's a real three-pack for Nicole this week. Uh, Nicole has a great story about how that's important to suss out. Figuring out the beginnings isn't going to help us figure out the end. So she has a great story unpacking that. Um, and then she has... Another great story about what we know of the vaccine so far, which is that immunity looks good for a long period of time to come. We obviously have to experience the time to come to make sure that works, but right now the data suggests it's going well. So an end of one period, I can talk to you from our office again. But I'm so giddy about being in this office again. I, I was not expecting it, but I also had to drive two hours to get here. I think I'm just excited about not being in a car anymore. We'll see how this goes as the show goes on. But we continue to cover COVID and the vaccines and what we have learned from this moment uh, very carefully. Nicole's doing a great job. Okay. WWDC. Worldwide Developers Conference. It's Apple time. It's Apple time. There's a lot to talk about. Apple updates all of its many OSs. There's like a, a whisper of a rumor they're going to announce yet another OS called Home OS, which makes... Yeah. We'll see. They, they needed advice to run on it. Um, like putting an OS, a, a custom OS in the HomePod makes no sense. Like you only announce an OS if you have apps, if you have a reason to tell people, unless you're Google, in which case you just announce OSs all the time. Well, hang on. The iPhone OS didn't have apps, didn't have third party apps. It was. Think about it. They actually didn't, it didn't even really have a name. <laughs> it was iPhone oh, OS. True. And then it was iPhone OS when they announced apps and when they did the iPad for like a year. The iPad ran iPhone OS. That's right. Yep. And then they changed it to iOS to make it encompassing. And then they realized, like, oh, what, two years ago? Like, oh, this is constricting. And they renamed it. Like, Apple's very, they don't like making new names. And when they do, yeah. they don't even mean it. But Google's like, I don't know. Here's another Linux-based OS that we made. This one's the future. <laughs> Here's another messaging app. <laughs> In any of it's not a messaging app. Uh, <laughs> this operating system runs on RCS. Um Anyway, <laughs> WDC is where Apple goes through all of its existing operating systems, iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, tvOS, and then now potentially how much? Like, we'll see. But there, there's a, a yeah. rumble that they'll do that. I want to go through them all in order, but Dieter and I were talking to me before the show. Apple's, like, under a cloud at this WWDC. Like, they just had this big trial with Epic. A little bit of one. Every The developer community is extremely aware that Apple executives are like, huh, how can we make money off of this idea? Let's just yeah. turn the money fountain on and like take 30%. The rationale for that 30%, you might buy it. I think it is rational. Some of the things they say about why that 30% exists is rational. Some of it is like they're just stubborn. And some of it is like they're just greedy. And that is the first time I think Apple's like armor has been punctured in this way heading into a WWDC. 
heading into a WWDC, but you remember what was, when did Hay go after them? It was at like the morning or the day before? It was like a few days before. Yeah. 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 But that was like one email app from one popular developer who maybe it's not so popular anymore. And like, yeah. (laughs) And they like resolved it. Like they just like solved the problem by like reinterpreting a rule. This is like (laughs) hundreds of emails. Tim Cook on the stand being like, this is how I monetize the phone. I think it is a, a qualitatively different situation. Kind of, but they're, they're Apple, so they'll announce something really cool for developers and they'll soon forget those problems, just like we forget everything that happens a week or two before <laughs> these days. <laughs> um, I feel like there there's a lot of quietness around WWDC this year and like there hasn't been many big iOS rumors or iPad rumors, which makes me think that they've kept something secret that they're going to do. And I have theories. It's like, why is the M1 chip in the iPad? You know, like. Oh, <laughs> it's so you can unlock your car with your iPad. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, like, think about all of the, you know, the billionaires who use an iPad as a camera. They got to walk up to the, the rolls and they're just going to wait. Straight away. But I think I think they'll silence the, the stories that we've seen over the last few weeks, the epic trial and stuff with, you know, with what they do best, which is just deliver products and please developers in different ways. Because they always seem to manage to do it. I don't know. I think like I think that this is not going to get quieted down quite so easy. There's going to be they're going to flood the zone. There's going to be a million stories. We're going to write a million stories. Uh, but I think that when that dust settles, there's uh, still a Congress that is still very interested in asking them questions and um, you know scoring points there and finding out if they could do something about it. Uh, I don't think it's going to go away quite so easy. To me, the more interesting question is: Will there be any kind of acknowledgement in this online keynote infomercial thing of all the drama? Will there be any gesture at all? I don't think they can. They can't say anything because like it's being the judges looking at it right now and deciding and they can't just go out and be like, we're going to cut prices or whatever with the oh, judge okay. we're gonna increase prices like nothing they say will help it would be them. amazing if they're like we're going to 45 percent yeah like, <laughs> no, uh, do I mean, it <laughs> that'd be great uh i don't know actually right they're in this period of scrutiny certainly the congress in this country is you know making a lot of noise whether they can effectively pass anything remains to be seen there's that court case there's the eu complaint against the app store the eu likes to do stuff whether any of that is effective also <laughs> remains to be seen. But, like, they're under this cloud. And the last time they were under this cloud, they announced the small business program. Yep. Which the judge in the trial yeah. actually said, you didn't do this for competition. You did it because of regulators and pressure. Like, so, like, they, haven't, they have other moves they could make. The, I think that Dieter's right. This, the keynotes are now infomercials. They have been for over a year now from all the companies. These, like, mm-hmm. tightly scripted. They're not going to – no one's going to boo them. Right, that's the that's the danger you have with like ten thousand people in Moscone West, right? Is you're gonna announce yeah. a thing and like Tim Cook is gonna expect the cheer and it's pin drop silence. Right? Or like worse, people are like, Boo, we hate you. They don't have any of that to worry about. But they could announce we're lowering the cut on subscriptions to eight and a half percent for two years. They could announce in app purchases for all categories except for games are going to ten percent. And we're just gonna keep milking the whales in the games category forever. Like, they have moves. I think one of the questions I have is they can't just, like, gesture at it. They have to do something. Will they do something after all of this noise? But I think they've already done that, though, right? 
because they, they they cut it to fifteen percent for so basically the vast majority of developers are fifteen percent if you you know if you take out whatever revenues they're generating. So they they kind of did that in the wake of a lot of this drama last year. You know the the, the questions around it. So I'm not sure that they'll do anything at WWDC related to this um, until there's significant regulatory pressure. Really, so we don't really know what the EU are doing with with their case. And what they're going to try and convince them to do, like the, the 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 thing that needs to happen is a regulator has to step in and say you need to change your product or your your business model in a certain not business model, but you need to change your product, yeah, in a certain way. I just don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. I yeah, don't know. and the EU likes to do like do things. They're like when you boot yeah. up an Android phone, you're going to pick a a search engine, and then like <laughs> everyone picks Google, like. But they love doing the stuff. So we'll see. I, I just think that that's, to me, it is the biggest dark cloud that Apple has had before an event like this in quite some time. So we'll, we'll just have to see if they come at it because this is their developer event. If this was just another event to announce a MacBook or an iPhone event, I would expect nothing. But the mm. audience for this, even though we're all going to watch it and it's streamed and like lots of people, consumers are going to watch it, Apple fans are going to watch it, the audience is developers that's who this is for and it feels like they need to address that maybe they'll do it in state of the union like there's all these other events they have they're a, mm-hmm. a little bit more closed door but to me it's like we're going to talk about all the os's the point of developer events and announcing your os as early is to get developers excited about building to your new apis and your new features and like making new innovative stuff on top of the platforms if they're already kind of mad at you like the second part of the equation is just it's harder to get through but we'll see. What if they just go back to charging for um, OS updates, and that that's they'll, they'll fund oh. that they'll fund software that <laughs> yeah. way instead of via oh, yeah, well. App Store fees? They're not gonna do that. No, they won't. I'm just saying that'd be great. They get a box yeah. in the mail, and it's just like a it's a tiny little lightning USB key with like, the new version of iOS. <laughs> <laughs> so it's flush in your phone. You can't even get it out without buying a tool. Uh, it'd be incredible. What Tom said kind of made me go galaxy brain on this though which is you know he said they're going to surprise us they're going to do something big and what if the distraction isn't like directly to the developers but what if it is stuff like this home os what if it's you know they've been they've been flirting around ar and they've got to start getting people somewhat excited for that for when they eventually release their ar glasses what if they do a big tease just kind of like to distract people from the fact that everybody loses 30 percent of their income when they develop an (laughs) app for the store like you know, I think they're really good at putting on a big show and 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 really getting us hyped about things. And what if it's kind of like oh, ignore that, ignore that. Look at all this other cool stuff we're yeah. doing. You want to get excited about this? You want to be in people's homes in a different way? You want to be in their eyeballs in a different way? I got it. Yeah. Here's here's what it's going to be. I'm ready. You're, you're you're hearing it from me first, exclusively. Oh my god! I could just see it. <laughs> Exclusive nonsense from Dieter Bo. Tim Cook gets in the middle of Apple Park, <laughs> and he's like. You know, the future of developing for the Mac is web apps. And we're going to talk about PWAs. And he's going to do PWA. It's just going to be web apps nonstop for 45 minutes. He's going to call it a sweet solution. And the ghost of Steve Jobs sucks (laughs) Tim Cook into a swirling vortex. And he's like, that's not it. And then the IE logo just appears. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about the 30% then. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That is definitely true. They would definitely have like like Mac OS smoke and mirrors, you know, like there's going to be a, like some sort of, there's going to be something that's going to distract. They're going to be like, you know, we're going to give you this. This is going to be great for developers and 
Like, because that's the way that Apple tackles these things. They never cash. They're just going to give developers cash. They're just going <laughs> to yeah. mail you this direct Apple Pay. And everyone's going to spend it on Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever. Every day that you don't tweet, Apple gives you $5. Actually, that would work. I would take that deal. Let's go through the <laughs> OSs. We'll see what happens. I just wanted to put that in a context because the point of these events is to get people excited about building new products for the OSs. And that is a hurdle they have to get over this year, which is new. Let's talk about iOS. Like very few rumors about iOS, as Tom was saying. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's suspiciously quiet. That's that's what I mean. It's like I think uh, Mark Gurman had a story about how there's going to be some changes to the notification stuff and some home screen stuff for iPadOS. But that, that seems like there's always a home screen thing on iPadOS every year now. Well, iPadOS did nothing last year. I, let's talk about them separately. So the phone is like in a pretty good place. The notifications have long needed updates. So that makes sense. They're going to do different. Well, actually, we need to we need to sit on this for just a second. Okay. So the rumor is uh, that, that Gurman is reporting is that they're going to have different settings for different like situations you might be in, like driving, working, or sleeping, and then you can customize how notification works for these different settings, like automatic replies and whatnot. This is literally just profiles. Yeah. This is the feature that was on every single feature phone. Like you'd hit like star two or whatever, and then you'd pick between like five different ring profiles for your <laughs> ringtones or whatever that we just forgot existed because <laughs> I'm, here it is. It's the Vergecast because Palm invented the ringer switch <laughs> and that you don't want 50 profiles. You just want two. And then uh, <laughs> Apple is the only company that bothered to steal it. And then one plus a little bit later. Um, and so I don't know, like, I am very happy to see lots of different notification like management options. I'm an Android user, and I just love how Google changes their mind about how notifications are going to work every year. But that has got them to a good place. I don't know that the problem with notifications on the iPhone is that there aren't enough modes. Like That's not the problem. So I, we have to figure out how this works. Like It's just the rumor they're thinking about it. It's funny because we're starting with Apple's dark cloud with developers. Apple can just exert pressure on developers and be like, part of app review is now we are going to set priority levels for your notifications for you. And if you abuse yeah. this system, <laughs> we're just going to kick you out of the store. And that is the one time I'm like, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> on Android, every app is like, yeah, we're the highest priority notification. Just like out of the box. They're all like, no one is humble enough. No Android app developer is humble enough to be like, you know what? You don't need these notifications. <laughs> so like I would accept that, like a system where app developers are incentivized to be honest that, yeah, okay, I probably want my messaging apps to be the highest priority notifications, but I really do not. At this point, the New York Times breaking news notifications are like, we've conducted a 5,000-word investigation into butterflies. And it's like, I don't know what this is. Like, I just need to shut this yeah. off. But I want them. I just don't need them at the level of everything else. Like, if I could do that on an iPhone, I would be very happy. I would also like the notifications to be much more actionable, which they're stepping towards, but they're still not great. Right, like if I could delete a text from the home screen, I would be the happiest person in the world. What you're describing there sounds like you want some serious mis machine learning chops in iOS, which is something that it's kind of lacking at the moment. Or you know, um, features, capabilities. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you want you want it to adapt to you, right? You, you want it to be like, oh, look at this New York Times alert. It's not like the phone knows me and knows that I won't be interested in those butterflies. Well, I mean, that's well, it's it's kind of weird though because like. Apple can't really get 
too in depth in machine learning because it's it's very much about like siloing your profiles and your user data mm-hmm. and stuff. And and that's always why it said Siri is kind of stupid. And I personally love that. Like, let it be more stupid if it means I don't have to ha- like worry about them listening in on everything I do. But at the same time, if if they don't do the machine learning thing, if they do like exert influence on the app creators, that just kind of pushes them right back towards the judge who <laughs> is currently deciding if they have too much power over creators. And it's just like, they're in a really, it, it's like, I don't think there's an easy answer. Cause like, what's the other one? Like you get to go and create huge profiles for yourself and you have to create like 12 different profiles. And that's like the antithesis of Apple and just being able to open and use your phone. And so it's like, I'm just curious to see what they do because every single route seems very not what I would expect from Apple. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's true right now is that notification management on iPhones has been horrible since the day the first iPhone came out. Yeah. Like, right now, getting a phone call on an iPhone is just an incredible experience of, like, you get the drop-down banner over whatever you're doing. You can answer it. But then if you put it to your ear, it's not in the app, so it doesn't shut off the screen. So your cheek is just touching a bunch of stuff. So that's, like, it doesn't even make any sense. It's not in speakerphone, but then you go to push the speaker button— it doesn't just default to the phone speaker. It'll bring up the speaker menu and be like, do you want to take this call on your MacBook Pro? And then the other yeah. person on the line is like, are you there? And you're like, hang on, I'm still answering the phone call. <laughs> and they're probably hearing you being called on your Mac, on your <laughs> iPad, on your watch, on every other product in your house that uses Apple. Yes. You definitely know if you called somebody using iOS because you hear that ringers around them come to a close yeah. <laughs> when they answer. And that's yeah. just like it's so satisfying. That's the that's the primary notification of a phone. I, I just like they need to make that system more powerful. Whether it's with machine learning, whether it's um, giving the users an endless series of controls, whether it's I don't know, just shutting it off. Like just mm-hmm. do something. Like start it over and like rethink it. But it is to me this. It has always been and will continue to be the single biggest pain point of an iPhone. And so if that's the thing they announced with iOS, they do nothing else, like that would be great. I, I like the way that like, over the last year or so in iOS, they've, they have kind of been learning some of your behaviors to sort of make it a little bit smarter. So like every day I'll swipe down and it'll be like, oh, you watch this uh, Twitch stream. So like, why don't you watch this today? Or it'll be like, oh, you message this person a lot. Why don't you message this person? You know, like all these tiny little things that don't always quite work properly. Yeah. Um, but when they do, they're kind of like those delighter things. There's, there's like, oh, that's saved me like, you know, a couple of seconds or whatever. Or it's just reminded me to do a task. Like if they can really play on that with like not being too into the privacy stuff and the creepiness of it. Cause it can be creepy when these, this stuff pops up and like predicts your behavior. Yeah. Then I think that's a way of like layering iOS to be a bit more, you know, power user friendly or just a bit more usable for, especially for stuff like notifications. If they, if they apply that sort of ML to notifications. Yeah. Like yeah. you've pushed the answer call button and now our advanced <laughs> differential privacy ML system has determined that you wish to answer the phone call. I'll take it. Here's a, here's a question right now. Who are they lifting more from? Are they lifting old windows phone ideas with app tiles and like deep links? Or are they lifting more Android ideas? Cause Android has a bunch of this stuff too, but it's, it's all just very different than how windows phone did it. And you can see Apple is kind of going in that like 
app clips, app tiles, deep links direction more than the the Android? What if the app was just kind of running in this window all the time? I think they're lifting from everyone, even the, the jailbreak community as well, right? Like we've seen a bunch of stuff from, from that community that's bubbled up into iOS. I think they just pick out whatever, whatever's good and works, works well, but they take their time to refine it, which, you know, we know from the decades of watching Apple. Well, the other rumor is that they're going to lift from WhatsApp because Gerben says that uh, they're yeah. working on, quote, upgrades to iMessage with the eventual goal of acting more like a social network and better competing with Facebook Inc.'s WhatsApp. Disclosure for your bingo card. My wife works for a division <laughs> of Facebook the Reality card. Labs. Um, Amazing. A division of Facebook. I don't know what that means, but I do know that, you know, iMessage is nowhere near as popular in the rest of the world as it is in the U.S., and maybe Apple does feel like a desire to compete in some way. But I also know that Apple, the last thing that company would want to do right now is deal with uh, yet another, like, moderation problem, right? They got enough going on with the App Store. Uh, if there's, like, you know, WhatsApp has had all sorts of moderation issues and, like, like having to disable automatic forwarding and a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't know what Apple's thinking with iMessage, but trying to make it into a social network, that's like, that's a thing that Apple has not successfully done. Yeah. Didn't they really bomb the last one they tried? Ping? Ping. Mobile Me was was pretty great. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold on. These are these are all different <laughs> Apple failures. Ping was their social network for music that made no sense. Oh, but there was there was an Apple Music one since then, but I forget what it was called. Right. Then there was one in Apple Music where artists, like when they announced Apple Music, they're like, and then artists will just like not use Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll post it. And like that quickly fizzled into nothing, uh, hit the brick wall of reality. Mobile Me was their cloud services that turned into iCloud. Mobile Me famously, like Steve Jobs stood up in front of like the Mobile Me team and was like, Walt Mossberg hates this. How did you screw this up? <laughs> Which is like amazing. Wow. <laughs> Walt has very conflicted feelings about that. Uh, but like that was the, the, the level of failure was like Steve Jobs was like, look at this. Look at what Walt said. How'd you screw this up so bad? But not a social network. I do think the last thing they tried to do with iMessage was they tried to add apps to it in that yeah. era when Apple's answer to everything was, what if this had an app store? And so they try to put apps into iMessage. And that has gone effectively nowhere except that it is now much harder to add a photo to a text on an iPhone. <laughs> I love my memojis. <laughs> it's so funny that you guys, like, in the US, iMessage is such a huge thing. Because like, I literally only ever go into iMessage to look at, like, a scam SMS. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's literally it. That's amazing. Okay, so that's iOS. We think there's some notification stuff. We think there's some iMessage stuff. Lots of mystery shrouding what else they will do. Apple's most important platform. That can't be it, but that's what we know so far iPad OS, equally mysterious, but I will say after the last round of iPad Pro reviews, everyone is like, well, they got to do something. Yeah. Except for Dieter, who's like, I don't know, man, I've been hearing that for years. <laughs> Dieter's just tired. No, I just, I the rumors are going to, they're going to let you like place widgets wherever you want on the home screen because they did that for the iPhone, but they didn't do it for the iPad and nobody knew why. And just the hope that they're like Apple's gonna do something wackadoo, like let you run Mac apps on the M1 powered iPad Pro. I just don't. They're not. No, I just I, I've I, I no longer have hope. There's no way they're gonna let you do that because then you would have a touchscreen Mac. I think that it will some form of it will happen, but like it's gonna be years in the making. Like these things don't you know they don't just put an M1 chip in the iPad and then six months later 
go WWDC, Mac apps. So I hear that, that they put the chip in the, the iPad, the M1, and that feels like it's going to lead to a logical conclusion. But I also think Apple is a master of its own supply chain, and there's a chip shortage, and the M1 is really just like the A13X or whatever. Like fundamentally, it is just the next evolution of the chip they were using, and they're like, whatever, we're just using it in all the computers. Like I don't, they, there's no reason. Like the existence of the chip does not make them have to do anything. The existing of governments around the world doesn't mean Apple has to do anything. <laughs> it doesn't, but like the fact that everything apart from the iPhone is on M1 now. Like I mean, see, I say everything's still iPad and Macs, basically. There's a reason behind that, other than chip shortages. I think. Yeah. Um, I just don't think we're going to get to that this year. Like I think it's a it's a multi year process. So. I think they can't do it this year. They were so emphatic about the Mac Mac OS wouldn't become the iPad, right? Like they can't take one and make it the other. They've been so emphatic about that for so so long that the minute they do it, we will like I will be delighted as I <laughs> as I gleefully throw it back in their face in yeah. a blog form. But like they they can't do it. Like like they have it's going to have to be subtle and like low key. And and so I think it is. I think Tom's right. It is going to be years and years and years. But it's also like this is the natural next step. And I think it's going to be kind of like when they finally blew that the iPhone up and they they had all these other different things to distract you from the fact that you could no longer fit it in your pocket. And and you know Steve Jobs had always said, "Oh, I will never never do a big phone. They're terrible." And it's the same thing. He was like, "I'll never do a Touch Mac." And like. Yeah, it's, they just got to go slow and then distract us with something else. I think Steve Jobs actually, when he said, I will never do a touch, didn't he have the alligator arms? He like put up a slide and he was what? like, this will give you alligator Gorilla arms. arms. Gorilla arms? It was <laughs> an animal. Arms. It was a type of animal arm that he thought was very bad. <laughs> and those animals are still, to this day, very angry at Apple. You'll never see a crocodile <laughs> using a Mac. Just a fact. <laughs> Look, with the iPad, it's been 10 years of us saying, hey, this screen is pretty good and this processor is pretty fast. You should, you should, you know, we, you could do a lot more with this. And Apple's like, nah. And then a couple of years ago with iPad OS, they're like, all right, here's the new system. Here's how everything, the new windowing system. It's, and I was like so excited because Apple finally let the iPad get complicated, which is what needed to happen in order to turn it into a, a computer that didn't feel like it was like limiting you. And it's like, you're just you're waiting for them to finally do the the thing that you've pent up you know, all your hopes and dreams for it have been pent up over a decade. They're just I think that they are actually really content with where the iPad is and what the iPad is. Like to wit, multi-user support. Like if if all they do is walk up on stage, I said this last year, if all they do is walk up on stage to say, here's the iPad, here's the login screen. Look, there's two <laughs> icons on it, one for you and one for your kid. And then they walk off stage and that's the entire I, iPad OS section. Done. A plus. Yeah. Five stars. Yeah. They're Slam gonna, dunk. They're going to announce like more HomeKit automation features instead. But but yes. to your point about like uh, we've been waiting like you know a decade for certain stuff. If you'd gone back five years and said that the iPad had mouse and keyboard support, I think most people would have been like, nah, it's never going to happen. Or like, yeah, I want it, mm. but like yeah, it's never going to happen. And even Apple was like at the time, no. Um, and they did it in their own unique way. So I think I don't think the, the iPad's ever going to run Mac OS or anything like that, but... I feel like they will get to a point where they, the windowing is different. Like it, they've kind of gone that way. It's it's kind of very Windows eight sort of hybrid at the moment. But I think it will get a bit more free flowing. It makes sense if they allow you to run Mac app apps on there at some point. 
Yeah. When they, when they, they, they just like to bridge gaps. That's what the iPad has been doing for like 10 years is just slowly been bridging those gaps. So I don't know. I feel like, look, uh, air travel's coming back. A lot of executives are going to need to do email in first class. Apple's got a $2,000 computer that can solve that problem for you. And they're just going like, to sell a lot of them. That, like, I think they might just be happy with that. And that, to me, is like, across all these product lines, we should talk about the watch next. Like, Apple faces so little competition. I go back to that question of, like, who are they lifting from more? We're talking about one operating system, Android, that exists that they kind of lift from all the time. But even the pace of that back and forth has slowed. And then we're talking about two dead operating systems. Like, Apple's still like, I don't know, did WebOS have any ideas? Let's use some of those. Like, there's not a lot of, like, pressure to innovate in a lot of these spaces anymore. And then in particular, with the watch and with the iPad, where are they feeling any heat at all, right? It's just like only from within does Apple feel the pressure to make something better. It's good and lucky that Apple seems to feel a lot of that pressure all the time. Like, that's the company. That's their DNA. I think that they should be commended for that. They're not lazy with the products, even though they have these monopoly positions. But, like, there's a reason the iPad is moving a lot slower than it did. But Steve Jobs once, remember, like, years ago, he got on a, uh, a quarterly results call and did, like, a 10-minute rant about 7-inch Android tablets. Like, he was, yeah. like, fired up yeah. about 7-inch Android tablets. He's like, this is the wrong size. They're broken. And it's because Google was going to do, like, the Nexus 7 or whatever. Like, I guarantee you that no Apple executive has thought about a, an Android tablet in any capacity except Amazon sells cheap one for kids, and Apple would prefer that you just gave your old iPad to a kid. Uh, but I think all that speaks to the maturity of the, particularly the iPhone, but obviously the iPad's pretty mature now as well. And I think if they're gonna, if the iPhone's gonna face any sort of competition other than you know whatever Google does on Android, it's gonna be foldable stuff. And like where, like if we ever get to the point where you're folding these things out and using them as actual computers, then there has to be the flexibility of the operating system and whatever else. But again, we're probably years out from that ever being a reality. So until that's the case, yeah. They just have to slowly pitch the gaps. <laughs> I'm still holding out for an Android e-ink tablet that can play a video. It's going to happen. And then <laughs> and Apple's going to be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and just going to be absolutely wrecked by that first beautiful tablet. You won't be able to read anything in it. It's going to be great. That's, it will play that, at like two frames a second. In your mind, this is a black and white experience. Like you're watching silent No, no, no. It's going to be games. color. <laughs> Like, we're going to get a cult, like, give it two or three years. We're going to have the perfect iPad replacement, and everybody's going to be going and buying their e ink tablets that are like 13 inches wide, last for four weeks on a charge, can't play video, but look fabulous. And they'll call it the Korea. <laughs> oh man. Oh I my mean, God. that scenario is more likely than genuine competitive pressure on the Apple Watch. Like, they're going to yeah. announce a new version of Watch yeah. OS, and I, I, Honestly, they're not going to give us custom watch faces beyond what, you know, they'll add like 10 more watch faces to it. There'll be 13 different uh, ways to like track your workouts that are new. And I don't know what else is left because there's nothing for them to like compete against, right? (laughs) Um, No, they're going to merge it with Tizen. They're like, we are also merging our platform with Tizen. (laughs) The only other thing happening in wearables is... Amazon has a, a wrist strap that will p- tone police you, right? 
<laughs> what are they worried about in the world? Yeah. I think they are facing small, tiny t- bits of competition from companies like Aura Ring and, and a lot of these companies mm, that are yeah. going that health rat. And the and the, the the further those companies go down that health route, like the first time somebody gets glucose monitoring on your wrist, the, like Apple's going to be scrambling to buy yeah. all those patents so it can also get <laughs> glucose monitoring on the wrist. Like like there's competition there, but it's it's less in like the fun kind of like user experience and much more in like the how much more of your medical data can we put in front of your eyeballs on a given day. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. also, I mean, the Aura Ring, cool product. People really like it. There's been studies about the data it produces and how it can be helpful. It's super interesting. To use one, you need to run an app on your phone. Yeah. That goes to the app store. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like, Apple can just be like, I don't know, what if the Aura Ring just didn't update its app for a couple of weeks, y'all? Like, that's a, it's a weird dynamic that they have where all these ancillary products also have to filter through the phone for yeah. maybe not the primary user interface because it's like a piece of hardware, but a very important secondary user interface that includes setting it up for the first time. And like, yeah. I think I think that level of control across the broader ecosystem is interesting to think about. That said, I couldn't tell you what they should do with the watch at this point in time. Like what do I need watchOS to do? Like maybe I think like maybe the walkie-talkie feature could be slightly faster. I would take that. I use my wife and I use the walkie-talkie feature like every day. I'd like different vibration settings for different notifications and stuff like that. Like, because mm-hmm. there are, but like, there's not a way for developers to set that. I would like better access to using home automations and stuff. Like, I would like to be able, you can mm-hmm. do it from your watch, but it's miserable. It's just it the miserable. worst experience in the world. And I would like to just be able to look at it and be like, I'm going to turn off the lights and tap my <laughs> wrist and the lights are off. No, you're supposed to ask Siri. <laughs> I do, and she does it. But sometimes I want to. I just want to touch it. I don't want to have to shout through my house. Yeah. See, see, what, what if it learned that it was 10 p.m. at night and that you did that? So when you swipe down from the top, that was just an option. Yeah. I That's... I will allow it. By the way, it does. It should not have to learn that it's 10 p.m. at night. <laughs> like that does not require AI. One control center does that. It like shows up my my night automations at night. Mm. Like it's pretty good about that. Uh, but I was like, like talking about home gadgets. Like the rumor is that they might introduce Home OS. Maybe they'll like convert the, both the HomePod and the Apple TV to run this renamed thing. It's they'll flip on that thread radio later this year. Matter, which is the um, used to be called Chip, which I used to call Choip, which is connected <laughs> home over IP. Uh, smart home thing, which is basically HomeKit, but everybody can use it, is like launching. So it's possible that we could see Apple. Actually, try really hard with HomeKit uh, in a way that I feel like it hasn't, and because it it was really limiting, and it was very hard to find HomeKit devices for a while, and they've slowly been opening that door, and so maybe maybe we'll see like a big push there, and that that'll be one of the big surprises is that Apple's actually going to try and take on Alexa uh, when it comes to smart home stuff. I think. They absolutely can, especially when you see stuff like sidewalk happening and and there's more and more conversations about how intrusive Amazon and Google have gotten in the home. Apple has positioned itself for years as this big privacy protector. And now it can say like, yeah, we like you can control your whole smart home and not have to sell all of your data 
to to you know give it all away like i think i think that's something very doable and there's not a lot of competition like samsung smart things was probably one of the biggest competitors and it still exists but like people love smart things yeah i loved it i used it for years and i moved into a new house and i made the switch to homekit just to like see how good if homekit could work and i will never go back it's like <laughs> Yes, I had to program all of my lights in HomeKit instead of the Hue app and all this other stuff, but it just like it did exactly what I needed it to do. And I think if they actually give it some more if you if you have stronger automations and and just people can program that stuff a little better than it currently is, like yeah, there there's no reason it couldn't just dominate in in this kind of budget smart home area. Yeah. Can I t- say the nerdiest thing about smart things? Yes. Do you know what the sleeper smart things product is? The absolute sleeper. It's the Wi-Fi router. It's good. The Samsung smart things Wi-Fi router. They didn't make it themselves. They licensed all the tech from Plume, which is like one of the the new Wi-Fi companies. Plume sold itself to Comcast. Disclosure. <laughs> God. Whatever. They license the tech. And so what the Plume app lets you do is assign devices to VLANs so they can only see certain other devices. I love it. So you can bracket all of your smart home stuff on one virtual network and then like only let certain people see it in your house or only let certain devices see one another. So if you, for example, desire to control your garage doors with a very dodgy smart home garage door <laughs> opening system. You can hide it away from the rest of your network so that it can't send it out. And it's like, it's absolute, the sleeper on, because if you buy a plume, you got to pay a monthly fee, a subscription fee, but Samsung right. just like covers it. It's just free. So like, there's an entire like underground community of smart things router people who are like, we're getting away with it, y'all. <laughs> it's very good. You just you just call them out. Eli, you're going to ruin it. Yeah, it's over. I think the when people know that they signed this deal. It's just very funny. <laughs> but like it that's like coming back to like Apple and HomeKit and it's like it is wild that Samsung makes that product and they make an entire range of smart things things. Not to mention washers and dryers and refrigerators, right? Like Samsung has this huge product range that it can't quite integrate, but you can see how it could work. Apple's like, I don't know, Choip? Y'all want some Choip? Like, <laughs> well, maybe HomeOS is a router. Remember when Apple used to do those? Oh. Yeah. And they were very good. My dad yeah. still uses his. He has not replaced it in 45 years. Yeah, we actually, uh, we just moved and uh, I was unpacking a random box and there was an airport just like, I was like, What? <laughs> Oh my god! I want to just use it. Okay, Mac OS. What do you What do you want from Mac OS? I hope they de ugly Big Sur. It's all <laughs> that I want. Just Just try again. Just be like, we made this thing that looks like you should touch it. We keep insisting that you shouldn't touch it, and it instead looks like Disney World. And we're just going to turn that down. Maybe they just. Bridging the gaps. I, Tom, oh. I, you, you make it sound so evil. It's like Apple's playing Risk with all of computing, like slowly advancing. We're getting there. I would love them to take the little X in a notification and make it a big X. <laughs> the notifications in, in Mac OS. This is why we don't run these operating systems. Are so bad. 
The notifications on macOS are terrible. They are, and they, they've gotten worse with everything they've done up in the corner. Just bu- go find Growl, what's left of Growl, oh my God. buy it, yeah. and just put it on there, and done. And I'll be fine. Growl is a deep cut. Wow. So for <laughs> most of our listeners, <laughs> in the early 2000s, Growl was an open source notification framework for Mac OS. It was actually called OS X back then. Um, and like all the app developers were like, that's great, we'll use it. And they all just used it. Yeah. And then Apple built its own notification system that is oddly used, and, and Growl faded away, right? So you're saying go find the remnants of Growl. Yeah. Like, give that guy $5. His name is uh, John Rowell. <laughs> That's not how you spell Growl. <laughs> <laughs> George, George Rowell. <laughs> like, he deserves, he, like, just, just buy it from him. I would love to be able to put my notifications on the one part of my screen I never go to, rather than the part where, like, it always covers up all of my slacks with other slacks. Yeah. I think with the M1, with they're able to make new form factors for the Macs. I think Big Sur predated those form factors. Like, now yeah. looking at Big Sur, you can see it's big and colorful and bright. It was like they knew they knew the new M1 iMacs were coming, and they've got an aesthetic, a hardware software aesthetic for those computers. There is a rumor of a new MacBook Pro. There's, it's obvious they're going to update all the other computers l- along the way. There's some leaks about the chips they're going to put in Mac Pros and how many cores they have. Like, mm-hmm. they've got an entire cycle of Mac redesigns coming, and I think Mac OS has to go with it, like go for that ride. But I couldn't tell you that, like right now, what Mac OS like. We're going to get an interminable demo of, like, Safari cookie blocking or something, right? Like, that's where they're at with macOS. They need to add more features to it. And, like, the big feature that everybody wants is a touchscreen, and they don't want to do it. Tom, say bridging the gap again. Bridging the gap. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry, guys. It's, we'll be sitting here in 10 years and we'll be like, do you remember when we- <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, do we think we're going to get uh, new MacBook Pros? Oh, 100%. Oh God, I just don't I I don't want to set myself up for disappointment because I want it so bad. Here's here's my thing. I th- there's a bunch of rumors, there's some analysts saying that it'll happen. John Prosser says it'll happen. But if they're gonna introduce new MacBook Pros, they have to introduce new processors. And that entire experience of new MacBook Pros justifying the return of ports, because that's the rumor, there's gonna be ports again, my God. And explaining how fast the processor is, Apple will never do that in less than forty-five minutes, maybe yeah. half an hour, right? I mean, they well, do they move faster in these like in this online world, but for them to cram new version of our hot shit processor that's faster than anything else, and we brought ports back, and there's an all new design, and this is a computer that everybody is truly waiting for, they're not going to cram that in at like you know a ten minute segment of WWDC. I one they absolutely should because I too <laughs> need this this MacBook Pro. Mine's the 2016 original touch bar monstrosity, and I'm on my third one. But you know, I think the processor. So for the last couple of years, they've spent so much time talking about processors, and I think it was less about like telling us about processors and more about like hyping their their abilities in the space. And and at this point, they've kind of like shown they can do it, right? Like if if all they're doing is a little, you know, a talk f- for the the tick that was the M1, and in this M1X or M2 is just a couple additional cores and slightly less power efficiency. Like I think they can communicate that pretty quickly, and and be like, like all they have to do is be like, it's going to be like the old MacBook Pro, but with <laughs> two more cores. Go, and yeah. everybody be like, oh, yeah. 
I feel like glossing over the ports is a thing they will absolutely do. They'll be like, yeah. yeah. Now applaud for this SD card reader. And then, I like, will. <laughs> literally, you will hear the applause around the world, in a even on a virtual event. I know they bumped USB-C to support more power recently, but I, I'm sitting here with a 16-inch MacBook Pro and a 100-watt USB-C charger, and this thing often does not charge. Like, it, it is often still drawing too much power for this gigantic 100-watt brick. And if I plug anything else in the brick, it's, like, game over. So... I think one of the reasons they're bringing the ports back is they might as well just have a dedicated power adapter, like USB-C. And I know that no, don't that, say it. But it's true. Like if they need if they need to put ninety watts into some ultra powerful M series chip, then like you might as well have a dedicated power adapter. I think it's going to be a powerful chip. I think it's not going to be as powerful as like the big power users want it to be, right? Like, I don't think it's going to be the thing that ever, like all the video programmers and audio producers and stuff just chuck out their 16 inch and go get. I think they're going to like, I think it's it's going to be less powerful than that because Apple's going to wait until that big Mac Pro to really show off like how good it is at processing. But Ooh, I think I think it's like, I think this is going to be kind of their half step between the MacBook Air. Like, right. This is just their little step up of like slightly more powerful, slightly more power hungry and look a nicer, bigger screen and ports. I think I, No, I think that they already have that in the 13 inch <laughs> MacBook Pro, which is like, what if this computer had a fan? Yeah. Right, and then the 16-inch Pro, and if they do a 14-inch Pro, which I think is one of the whispers, yeah, in the wind, 14 and 16 are the rumors. Yeah. Like those are that's their like bread and butter Pro machine. Those things have to be fast. So I don't know. We'll see. I just think that they ran into the OU USB-C was a mistake. We might as well put a power port back on here because we need to pull that much power from a dedicated USB-C brick. Well, they can they can be like what they did with the Mac Pro, which is like you know we heard you. This is what we've got, sort of thing. Yeah, like they can they could do that. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm like with D there. I'm not sure whether they have enough time to cram it in. They well, need. I need it. I mean, based on our preview here, they could be like Watch OS, like whatever. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to this MacBook. <laughs> uh, we are at an hour in. We need to take a break and talk about the next version of Windows. Um, <laughs> I will say I doubt anything of note is happening in tvOS because all of Apple's efforts are in getting the Apple TV app on other platforms, including the NVIDIA Shield. Huh? See? Yeah. Positive Shield mention. Think about that before you send your emails. Uh, and the rest of Android TV. <laughs> um, it, that seems where their efforts are. They just released the new box. Chris Welch reviewed the new box. Their new remote is great. You should buy it. and It's amazing Apple can get another $70 out of me. Like an entire Google TV is 50 bucks. So it goes. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back talking about Windows. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. 
It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month, every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. We're back. Tom, are they going to skip another number? That's what I want to know. So you want it to be Windows 12 or Windows 13? <laughs> I think I can exclusively reveal the name. Okay. This is a Vergecast exclusive. It's going to be Windows 9. It's going to go back to the forgotten <laughs> operating system. <laughs> the one they missed. Yeah. The one they let it get away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it looks like it's going to be Windows 11. I think that's at least that's what Microsoft wants us to think. Okay, um, so it's going to be Windows 20. How are they going to justify saying, just kidding, when we said we're never going to have a new version of Windows, it's going to be Windows 10 forever and ever, we promise. Wait, hold on, I have an idea. Okay. Windows 2000. Oh <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I think it's going to go one of two ways, right? It's going to be well, one of three ways. It's going to be Windows, Windows 11, mm. or Windows 365. Oh my God. Oh. Or, something, or something, you know, like Windows <laughs> Series 10. Take that like, back. Yeah, like, you know, like, <laughs> Windows Series Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm confident that the, the name or branding around this is changing. Xbox Live colon Windows edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be Azure Intelligent Edge OS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so what do we yeah. know about Windows uh, uh Windows two thousand? <laughs> well Windows two thousand came. Uh, so <laughs> Windows eleven. So so they've put out They've been teasing this for months. So Panos said the next generation back at Ignite. Uh, Satya Nadella, just a week ago, said like this is going to be the biggest change to Windows in like a decade and the next generation of Windows. Um, and then they put out this invite, um, which is basically it's just saying we're talking about the next generation of, of Windows. But also alongside it, the invite has like a, sort of a shadow light pouring through the window, but it doesn't have the vertical bars at the horizontal bar, sorry. So it just looks like it's the shadows creeping into the 11. And like, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe not. Like, you know, everyone overanalyzes Apple invites. So like, whatever. Um, the event starts at 11 a.m. Uh, Surface and Windows events never usually start at that time. It's usually like 9 or 10 a.m. So it's kind of, uh, could be, you know, coincidental. And then one of the Microsoft executives put on Twitter, um, I'm looking, can't wait for this new version of Windows. And I've not heard them say a new version of Windows. Like that's different language than they've used. They've always said the next generation of Windows, whatever that means. So I think that combining those three things together is why I think there's going to be some sort of naming happening here, like a new a new Windows name. What is a, what does a new Windows name mean? So as Dieter was saying, when they did Windows 10, they're like, we're just going to update Windows 10 forever. This is it. Here we are. What does it mean to have a, a new name? Is it signifying a strategy shift? Is it a new product, a new interface? What's the- yes, I think I think the new name probably signifies a bit more of a reinvestment in Windows. So they, they split up Windows into two parts internally a few years ago. 
and then Panos sort of came on board um, and then the pandemic hit and like that, that combination of like Panos sort of taking over windows and the pandemic the resurgence of like PC computing because people are obviously trying to work from home that has made them think, Oh, actually, you know, there are still like whatever it's 1.3 billion people using this operating system every day. So we should probably fix things and like make it a bit better, <laughs> um, make it like look better and stuff. So I think it's the opportunity of, doing all that fixing up work, um, a new UI um, and all that sort of stuff, it's probably just led them to the point of like, we should just call this something different. You know, like they were trying this thing called Windows 10X. It was going to be on dual screen devices before the pandemic hit. And then they were like, we're going to put it on single screen devices. And then they were like, you know what? We're just going to take all of the work that we did on that, like the good UI work and the good bits of like reorganizing Windows, essentially making it a bit more lightweight we're going to put it into windows. And I think that's what this is. So like a lot of that work. So it's, it's basically consists of like three things. It's like UI work, new store. And there's some rumors about that. We can get into that. And then the final thing is, it's basically, I I try and I just completely lost my train of thought, but yeah, like new store, new UI, and like a, a more of an opportunity for app developers, I think. And like opening up a little bit, I think, but probably bringing some of the walls of the store down will help with that because they want to be in that app distribution game like yeah like they have realized i I think i've had like conversations with panos in the past like when he when he took over in windows i like conversations with him in briefings about windows and like expressing like the way that i see windows and other people who use it frequently see it is that it's like a tool right so it is like you know a productivity tool or whatever but I think a lot of the time they've been chasing like the wrong set of people for it. Like mm-hmm. they did this creators update. They tried to create, to go for that group of people. It didn't really work out. And they keep, they kept, they've constantly been trying to chase growth for windows rather than just realize that it's valuable to a lot of people and that they can improve it and build upon it, fix things that will make it more valuable to those people rather than having to, you know, add another hundred million people using it or whatever. Um, so I think that they have finally come to realize that. And perhaps a lot of that's to do with the pandemic learnings and stuff. Um, and the absolute growth in PC sales, right? I mean, it's like yeah. explosive growth in PC sales. Yeah. And like OEMs have obviously seen them experiment with these versions of Windows over the years, like 10S and 10X was another experiment. And like they've been waiting for, like for OEMs having a different name windows like a, a version that they can sell attached to hardware is like a gold mine for them because like it's, it just immediately generates like hype and interest in products like oh there's a new work windows what can, oh i should get a new laptop like it, it triggers you know consumer spending and all that yeah. sort of stuff and and obviously on the enterprise as well do you think they just um, want to be able to reuse the letters they're like oh we we want to do another s <laughs> windows <laughs> 11 s it is because i mean that that strategy was to to appliance-ify Windows. Well, so it was also to take on Chromebooks, right? And so if they're, yeah. if they, they've never succeeded at making, there's the S mode, you know, they've never really succeeded at making like a light version of Windows. Do you think they're giving up on that dream or is it that somehow part of this? Um, I think it, that's part of this. I think like some of it is obviously making it a bit more lightweight, the UX improvements. But I think the 10S stuff was more than just competing with Chrome OS. It was also like control. Of the operating right. system who's yeah. taking that control back um and there's there's many legitimate reasons to do that like ransomware that we're seeing across the world happens on windows computers because they're open 
blah, blah, blah. Um, but the way they went ahead, like they forced people down a route where they'd have to package their apps into the store. It's very much like the iOS debate, right? Like Apple has all the control over the app store. That's the control that Microsoft ultimately wanted, whether they wanted the same sort of control, who knows? But but I think that was the primary driving driver there. And it's why like Tim Sweeney was dead against that sort of app model. And I think the realization with Windows now is that that stuff is just not never really going to work for Windows. They're never going to truly make it lightweight. Um, unless they just blow it up and do something totally new, which I guess 10X was like trying to go down that route. Um, but I think it's the realization of like who uses Windows and what this product is for. I think that's 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 the main thing. So they did the Surface Neo and the Duo at the same time. The Duo runs Android, and they, you know, we heard all the the stories about how they work with Android and Hiroshi at Google and Panos at at Microsoft are like tweeting hearts at each other. That yeah. product has like kind of gone nowhere. It was just deeply discounted. Yeah. I seriously considered impulse buying one, and then I didn't because I was like, I don't. Yeah, it's essentially a fire sale right now. I don't go anywhere, so I don't need another phone, especially one that flips open into a slightly bigger phone. <laughs> Maybe next year. But that's over there, and then the Neo was 10x dual screen, and the entire yeah. story we heard was like dual screens are the future of productivity. You want to do two things at once. On a phone, you need to run two apps at the same time, side by side. Over here, we're re-architecting Windows for dual screens. Once again, yeah. the future of productivity. That appears to be out the window. Yeah, it's, t- it's totally out of the window. Like, that, they don't talk about the Neo at all anymore. Like, it's basically a cancelled product right now because the operating system that powers it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> They're bringing that to Windows. So, um. What happens to all those, like, laptops from the OEMs? Because they were all kind of going all in on it, too. Yeah, so only only really Lenovo really went all in and actually launched their X1 Fold, ThinkPad X1 Fold, or whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, and that was supposed to come, you know, 10X was going to come to that. So I don't know what happens there, but I'm sure the two people that brought one were like, <laughs> I'm not going to be disappointed. <laughs> well, I know because we saw like, we saw Asus did like their, their, their kind of dual monitor. And I think they're, they're still doing it, right? Where they have like the little monitor yeah. down at the bottom and stuff. And I know Dell kept saying they were going to and then kind of stepped back and then said they're going to. And it just like, did they all just say, oh, the, the display technology and everything else that needs to be there just isn't there. And Windows at the same time said, nah. Yeah, that sort of stuff is slightly different to the sort of Windows 10X stuff. So that was that's mm-hmm. just like pure Windows and like they were doing like custom OEM like panels above the keyboard and stuff yeah. like that to to power that. And like they've those OEMs have experimented with that sort of stuff for years. So I think that stuff will still be there and we'll still see. I just don't I don't think Microsoft's going to support it in like a a big effort. Yeah. So. I just to me that what what like really drives the upgrade cycle is a form factor change. We just we yeah. know this thing. We even know it inside of the iPhone. Like they changed the way the iPhone looks. Everybody buys a new iPhone. This just happened with the iPhone 12. Even while lots mm-hmm. of people were at home, lots of people bought iPhone 12s because they look different. To me, it's like it is to me the, the silliest but most consistent thing I know about technology is if you want people to buy a new one, you just change the way it looks. It, it can. The iPod is like the example. Like yeah. the iPod rarely got new functionality, but every year they made it look different. And I was like, I need a new iPod. And it's kind of like the reverse at the moment because it's like what's driving PC growth is the reverse. Like people are going from picking up their phones to being like, I need something to work on. Like I can't, I you know, I usually have a something in the office or at school or whatever. And 
I don't have that now, so I need I need something. So it's like it's still a form factor thing that's driving it, but it's just the opposite way. Like we 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 used to everyone buying mobile phones and just not really touching desktop PCs or, or laptops as frequently. Um and that's that's driving this this growth at the moment. Who knows once everything starts to go hybrid work or whatever you want to call it, how that shakes out. Like it, I'm sure the growth will go away. Yeah. Um somewhat. But then do they pick that dual screen stuff up? Yeah, Mike, but that's what I'm saying. Microsoft was like gung-ho on form factor change because they yeah. thought they could crack back into the phone market mm-hmm. and they could do something to juice the PC market. Yeah. And now they've dropped it because they didn't. They kind of didn't need it. Like uh, Monica Chen and I just interviewed the CEO of Acer. Acer just had its best quarter like in years and they're just like making everything. And we kept asking, like, what's your bet? Like, is it Chromebooks? Is it Windows on ARM? Is it whatever? And he was like, yeah, we're just going to make Whatever, like everyone's buying everything. <laughs> like we're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're in like the, it's it's almost like the two thousand sort of era of PCs mm-hmm. at the moment, just because there's such a demand for them, um, an unusual amount of demand. Um, so Acer is definitely well positioned for that sort of stuff because they can just experiment, um, and people people will buy it. Um, but yeah, like the fact that Microsoft was, you know, it was basically putting its its Surface brand on the line here for like a dual screen device and stuff. And it has obviously on the Android side. It's surprising that they dropped it so quick during the pandemic. And they and I feel like they kind of used it as like, I don't want to say an excuse, but like it was definitely like, I don't think it was going the way that they thought it was going to go, the development cycle on it. So it was like, it was a good point in time for them to like sort of say, okay, let's not do this right now. Um, let's focus more on Windows. Um but yeah, like I'm curious to see where they go with that in the future. Um, and there's like there's rumors about like this Windows 11 stuff that they might bring back some of the touch stuff that they kind of did. Widgets, seen some stuff floating around about that. Um, I've got a feeling that they're doing quite a lot, um, and a lot hasn't leaked because they've they've somehow managed to keep it very tight. So I feel like there's gonna be a lot, um, a lot that we won't know until the event. How extensive is the user interface change going to be? Because like with Windows 10, they did like a surface change and then you'd go to menus in and you'd just be back in seven. (laughs) Yeah, like I think a lot of it is cleaning up like they've been sort of working on this over the last sort of couple of years, Um, like some of the icon stuff, um, the system icons, all, all that sort of stuff, like cleaning up. You know, when you like open up a driver installation and then suddenly you feel like you're back in Windows 95, like it's that so should nice. not be happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think some of that will be going away and I'd hope that all of it goes away, but like, I just can't see it all fully going away. And then it's like, there's a focus on like rounded corners, uh, a new start menu, a lot of the stuff you saw in 10X where they simplified like the flyouts and the taskbar and like basic stuff like controlling volume, all that sort of stuff. It looks a bit more like mobile friendly, almost like a bit more tablet touch friendly as well. Because um, I think they really stepped back from that stuff in Windows 10. Well, because it went so badly with 8. It's like the pendulum yeah. is just swinging, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, we just spent all this time talking about Apple. Microsoft has a giant install base of touchscreen PCs now. Yeah, they've got a lot of data on how people actually use them, right? And and the things that they want to do with them, which is usually just like get that notification out of my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like But yeah, like I'm I'm curious to see where they go with that stuff. If they bring widgets back and like slide to bring in widgets and stuff like that. Like I don't know. I, f- I feel like they're going to add some stuff that a lot of people are just going to turn off, right? Um 
but I hope that they get to the point where they don't have to do stuff like force edge down your throat or force bing down your throat. Um, and some of those sort of businessy decisions that they tried to do to obviously, you know, make bing seem relevant um <laughs> and seem like it has users um and also like generate some search and ad revenue and all that sort of stuff like i hope they get away from that because i, I want to type into my start menu and have it search the web on the provider that i want it to do and to open up the browser that i have set as a default so i'm hoping that they kind of do that sort of stuff as well yeah um, it's it's one tap for bing two taps for google is there that's <laughs> yeah. they're just gonna hide it behind a series of incomprehensible <laughs> yeah. uh finger presses but the, the second thing, like the user interface things, I think it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be just smarting Windows up. I don't think Windows is terrible. It's just like they haven't, whenever they've done stuff like dark mode, they've not really, they've done it 75% of the way. And it's those little cracks that make, like sometimes you open stuff up and you're like, eh, why does it look like that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I think going to 100% on that sort of stuff will will make a big difference. Um, it's, it's very minor stuff, but ultimately all the little cuts add up, so... How much is that going to go to like the app developers? Because I know with with like when you look at Mac OS, it has all these really good and good looking apps. And it's because like mm. Apple kind of thinks about how things look and Windows is just kind of like, it works, go. Like, yeah. are they going to be trying to push that more with this new app store? Yeah, well, yeah, not necessarily the app store, but like they have been trying to push that with a lot of the api work over the years mm-hmm. um and there are some like better looking windows apps because because of it but i will say like as a desktop operating system i can't think of an app that's launched in the last five years that's important apart from yeah. browser updates right like it's yeah. it's at that point where the iterative iterative versions of like adobe creative suite are like big news but like there's never usually a new app that comes along you know Oh, I don't know. They're all Electron apps. That's the problem. They're Electron apps. Yeah, they're, they're web apps. They're yeah. browser, basically. This is, I'm telling you, WWDC, WWDC, three hours of web apps. Get ready. <laughs> PWAs. Oh, my Let's God. Go. All right. Tom, when is this event? Uh, June 24th. But the, the other thing, the other big thing is the store. So they're going to open that up and allow, like, Chrome and Firefox and stuff. You know, remember when they opened the store and they were like, Chrome can't be in there? And everyone was like... <laughs> My browser that I use can't be... Okay. You can't sit with us. <laughs> yeah, and they're also going to allow third-party payment process, processes through the store. Oh, they're just going to come for Apple. I see what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. like Yeah. So like that's that's another big part of this as well. And then it's just like fixing up stuff like multi-monitor support, some, some Bluetooth stack stuff that they should have fixed years ago. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it's like the big fix. I think it justifies a new version, so... The 24th, 11 a.m., wherever you are. Or wherever yeah. Microsoft is. <laughs> <laughs> In all time zones at 11 a.m. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. We got, we got more operating systems to talk about. This is wild adventure on this show. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, 
Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, we're back. There's more operating systems to talk about. It's a real week of operating systems, including from Google. But really, the the news here, Dieter, I'm going to let you walk us through this. Huawei basically got banned from using Android by the Trump administration. Basically. They were put on the, the entity list, which is still a great name. And now they've... Created a new OS which is not Android, but like it's it's like three Androids in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> it's called they Harmony sh- OS. They should have called it Entity OS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. it's not it's not three Androids in a trench coat. It's it's like three Androids in a very pretty trench coat <laughs> with like flowers and it. It's it like flows in the wind. Yeah. It looks fine. Yeah, but like ours technically actually did some really good deep dives in here. When you actually ask Huawei about it, they're like, yeah, it's, no, it's different. And it's like, no, we, we all know it's based on Android, which is frustrating because they could just admit it, right? Like Android is open source. Google can't directly offer stuff to Huawei, but Huawei, like it's out there. Google can't stop them. There, I'm sure there's some way they could get around it. I don't know. And it is also weird because, like, how long have we just spent talking about needing competition and more app stores and whatever, and we're all just sort of turning our nose up at Harmony OS before it's even out? Yeah, I mean, Huawei is the biggest player in phones in China still, and they're about yeah. and uh, Sam Byford years ago. We actually have, actually have Sam update this piece, but he did a whole piece about how the Chinese smartphone market is ultra competitive. There are lots of different app stores, lots of different forks of Android. They all use complete rips of the iPhone camera app, which is amazing. And Harmony OS actually, if you actually a better way to describe it is three Androids in a in a uh, iPhone looking trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad, but so that's like that is what always fascinating to me. Like, why does the camera app get ripped off the most? It's because it's the thing that everybody uses, and lowering the switching cost of the camera app is good. Yeah, it's it's just as dead simple as that. Like, it is not worthwhile to innovate on how the camera app works because you want people to pick up a new phone and be able to do the thing they're going to do the most without any cognitive load whatsoever. Then you can be like, we have ideas about notifications. And like, just go down that road. But it's the, the market in China is just like booming with Android forks. And so Harmony OS is going to be a big player in that. And it is true, because we don't get these phones, we're like, haha, you're not allowed to use Android. And then Huawei's like, but we are. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, we we won't bother. We think any any Android phone that doesn't have the Google Play Store is a failure. But it's actually like, I wouldn't mind having alternative app stores. I wish that, I don't know, Amazon App Store was good. But what you need are Google's apps. And Google will never put its apps on anything that doesn't have Google's Play Store and all those exclusivity agreements. Anyway, 
Harmony OS coming. There's also Harmony OS on the Huawei Watch, but uh, it seems like that's really just a rebrand of Light OS, which was the version that they ran their watches on before, because nothing runs on Wear until the new version of Wear that's merging with Tizen comes out. <laughs> I like the optimism that something will run on Wear then. Uh, look, they're trying. <laughs> uh, and then they teased, but did not really release the Huawei P50. Which looks amazing. There are two giant, like, owl-eye camera arrays on the back, just, like, big, giant circles with cameras in them. Just go for it. It's just, they just went for it. It looks great. And then you're like, oh, and you're releasing it. And this is the quote from the company. Quote, we're trying to figure out how to make this great product available to you. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, would you like to, would you like to read the chip shortage into that? Would you like to read the entity list into that? Would you, I mean, any number of things are keeping us from uh, having this great product made available to us. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, I love, I love, it's not like coming weeks. It's like, we're actually, we're trying to figure out how to release this thing. We don't know if we can or if it's going to happen. It's like, yep. Fair. That's amazing. Okay. And then there's Fuchsia, which we've been diligently tracking the status of Google's Fuchsia for years, and they mm -hmm. finally did a thing. Yeah. It's arriving on the original Nest Hub, formerly known as the Google Home. Oh, my God. It is just going to be the underlying... It, nothing's going to change about its functionality or features. It's just... It's going to run on top of Fuchsia now. If all they said was it's going to be faster, I would be so happy. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see whether or not this is a stepping stone towards Fuchsia doing more things is unclear. The thing that amuses me the most isn't the confusion about whether Fuchsia is going to be the future foundation of phones and tablets and laptops and whatever. It isn't if it's going to replace Android and Chrome OS. It's that <laughs> Google's smart home gadgets now run on cast fuchsia and i'm pretty sure there's some like android home floating around yeah. in the world somewhere so the, the, google literally doesn't care what os runs its gadgets it's basically they'll just like <laughs> whatever yeah fuchsia you, you, you about ready sure <laughs> we'll throw it on the Ship nest it. <laughs> it's just deeply confusing why they even announced this yeah because like it they could have just done it and then, like, the Fuchsia team would have been, like, happy. Yeah. And they would have had a secret, and they would have walked the streets of San Francisco with a glimmer in their eyes that they knew something that you didn't know. Well, no, the, the way this news broke is, like, somebody from the Fuchsia team was like, it's not every day you ship a new OS. And everyone was like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> they could have but secretly like... installed a Linux microkernel on all these devices <laughs> and got away with it. <laughs> But like, but you announce it, and all of us are like, and then, and they're like, no, it's going to be exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> and so we take the glimmer in the eye is gone. Now everybody knows the secret, and the secret is nothing has changed. It's such a letdown, too. Like, like the, the early hype for Fuchsia was just going to be, it was going to be totally different. It was going to replace Android. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was going to replace Android. It was going to be incredible. It was going to be amazing. And now it's on, like, a Google device. Yeah. That uh, you're really not supposed to interact with. Yeah, <laughs> like they've you are not supposed to touch it so much that the new one encourages you to just wave at it instead of touching. <laughs> it's pretty good. I will say I've, I've stopped a lot of timers like very insistently. Mm. It's good. You slap it. I get why they did it. I'm just like stop. <laughs> I know the rice is done. <laughs> you shut up. I think that's it for operating systems, Tom. I before we go, I want to. I want to end with a segment on, on the 3080 Ti, because you have one. I do. 
you're like one of five people, and they're like, are, are you afraid for your safety? I also managed to buy one today. Oh I, I, I like kind of did it as a half test, but now it's arriving. Oh, no. so. Now you're just showing off. Yeah. <laughs> Start rendering some bitcoins. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how any of that works. Rendering some bitcoins. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Um, yeah. yeah, so the 3080 Ti. So I reviewed it. It's, you know, better than the 3080, as you'd expect, um, for 4K and 1080, uh, 1440p gaming. But I think it's a little bit pricey, for, for the, especially in this market. Like, And it, even today we're seeing them, like, I think I looked at some UK price and it was like, supposed to be £1,049. And like people are selling them on eBay for two and a half thousand pounds right now. So it's like, yeah, but it's, it's a good card. It's pretty much as close as you can get to the 3090, which is the $1,500 card. But I think if you're spending $1,200, $1,500 on a, on a, on a card, like it's, it's a kind of a niche area of, of, of GPUs there, I think. And I think the 3080 is just like the bargain card really for, 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 for the 699, like, I, I don't know why you'd go for the 3080 Ti, really, unless really? you really wanted that extra like ten percent. So, well, you can't you can't get either. No. How many 4K monitors do you need to justify the 3080 Ti? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really have to really want to play uh, uh, that little bit extra high frame rate at 4K. Um, and I think for most people, they're making the move to to 1440p. Yeah. The, the vast majority are still on 1080p. So. Yeah, I I would buy the 3080, I think. That would be my recommendation over the 3080i. But you can't buy either of them, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it is a very odd... We were looking at pictures. There are lines in front of Best Buy here in the States. Yeah. Like, it's a very odd moment for these products. It is. They're just not available. It's unfortunate because they're so good, like, compared to the previous generations. Like, it's come at, like, the worst possible time, a global ship... Uh, chip shortage in the middle of like you know when everyone wants to buy a gpu and everyone wants to buy a laptop and yeah everyone wants to do everything so it's really unfortunate and like you can't really fault nvidia for like competing with itself and launching another card um and i know a a lot of people are like why are they launching this but it's like you know this is what these companies do you don't want to want them to sort of stand stand still do you so but it is unfortunate because no one can really buy them there is signs though, like the fact that I could buy one today, and also John on our team managed to get a 3080 today. Hey, like that—that that, that's like a sign of. And you're both hope. in the UK. Yeah. yeah. So basically, move to the UK. This sounds. This sounds like a scam. This sounds like some sort of British <laughs> Brexit scam. We need to boost our population now that now that everyone's disappeared. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, come on, member nations of the EU, we need individual <laughs> trade agreements. We have GPUs available. Yes. Let's get this done. You can mine freely. <laughs> yeah. So what's actually really interesting about the chip shortage thing is um, uh, on several episodes of Decoder now, people have told me, executives, um, CEO Flex told me this, CEO Ford told me this, the shortage is at old process nodes. Yeah. Right? It's at like 55 and 90 nanometers. These chips are Samsung eight nanometers. Like yeah. the overall global chip shortage is is elsewhere. The demand for these GPUs is there's not enough capacity. It's it is incredible that there's this much demand for GPUs right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because Nvidia did the twenty eighty series and like they were good cards, but people were like, okay, I'll just hang on hang on to my ten eighty for a little bit longer and we'll see what they do next. And like yeah. It took them a while to do the next bit, and now people are like, mm-hmm. "Okay, I really need to upgrade now." Um, so they're, you know, p- people are even buying twenty eighties like off of eBay for like, you know, whatever the crazy prices they are, like well over a thousand dollars. So, 
which is just nuts. Like it's, it is, it is a crazy situation really. And you can't discount the Bitcoin renderers. Yeah. I, I mean, there's, the, I, ref- the, the, I refuse the, to know how that works. By the way. <laughs> They're rendering those coins every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the, it is true that like the Ethereum market is still largely GPU based. Yes. I actually do know how this works. I'm sorry. <laughs> just to make it clear, I'm aware that Bitcoin is mostly an ASICs. And Ethereum is mostly in GPUs, but that market is still driving a ton of demand. Oh, it is, yeah. And that's that's why they nerfed the mining, in particular Ethereum, on these cards, because they know that that is, that is people still building farms with these GPUs. So, How is that nerfing easy to get around? Well, NVIDIA made it really easy to get around because they released a driver that basically <laughs> undid the nerf. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like they are bringing out new 3080s and new 3070s that have the nerf. Um, hopefully they don't bring out a driver that <laughs> takes the nerf away. Um, but like, pe- I think people have been figuring out ways of getting around it. Yeah. Like it. It's like anything, right? Nothing's ever fully uncrackable. So we'll see. <laughs> but you got to use the deal. You got to use one GPU to crack the other GPU, which means you got to get two. And now <laughs> I know what you did, Tom. Okay. That's ridiculous. Last <laughs> note before we go. We didn't talk about this last week. A lot of streaming news last week. In addition to Alex Kranz, our new managing editor, who's wonderful, we have a new streaming reporter stepping into the very big shoes of Julia Alexander's Katie Keck, uh, who we need to have on the show soon. If we'd had a show last week, I would have demanded Katie walk us through all the craziness in streaming. We'll do that soon. But AT&T just decided to walk away from the Warner Brothers deal, which is incredible. They're spinning it off and merging it with Discovery. There is an excellent New York Times piece about how this deal came together by Ed Lee, who used to work at Recode. We're very friendly with Ed. But he's like, go read it. It's incredible. The CEO of Discovery is a very rich man. He has a townhouse in New York, but that the townhouse that he owns, which is his second home in New York, was under renovation. So he rented another townhouse for this deal, which is like a perfect detail for me, um, and decorated with pictures of rock stars. And they all they made they did the deal under a giant photo of Steve McQueen, and all the executives were like Steve McQueen is the hero of the deal. And you just read it, and you're like, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> like none of this is related to what you are going to do by merging these companies and spinning them off AT and T. But it is happening. They announced a tagline and a logo and a name. It took them one week. It is the worst name, logo, and tagline combination I have ever seen from any company ever. It's not that the name is bad. The name is just Warner Bros. Discovery. Yeah. Which is just the two names together. It makes sense. But the fact that they've gone with Warner Bros. instead of Warner Brothers is incredible with a period. Yeah. The logo... Looks like it was made in 1995 on a Quadra 700. Like it's like extruded gold 3D on a sky background. Yeah. And then the tagline, which I'm told is from a like a classic Warner Brothers movie, is the stuff dreams are made of, which is ungrammatical. <laughs> and also, no one alive today has seen that movie. Like it's like from like Casablanca or something. Like it's some deeply famous movie that no young streaming customer is aware of. If you know the movie, please tweet at Reckless. Uh, <laughs> just, just nonstop, every day, remind him what the movie is. Well, it's, okay. here's what I... I just Googled it. I just Googled it. It's a song by Carly Simon. It's an episode of Law & Order Organized Crime. No! <laughs> uh, the Maltese Falcon. That's the movie. It's from. Okay. So a very, very famous movie. But I assure you, most people have not seen this movie or get this reference. I feel like that's also like a really bad movie 
to choose a quote from. Like it's a big film noir. Like why would you why would you be like, you know what, this will inspire people, murder. <laughs> Black and white murder. I'm so inspired. Yeah, it's, it's a mood. It's the stuff that dreams are made of, right? Yeah. <laughs> AT&T's dreams. <laughs> just look at this. Just go look at the picture. It is I tweeted it's on the website. The font that they printed the stuff dreams are made of is like I mean, it's like Calibri. It's like a default font. Like, yeah. it's so bad. I want to find the, 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 the designer. It's Paint Shop Pro. <laughs> they got dunked on so hard that they released a statement to Variety being like, none of this is, no, no, this isn't final. <laughs> <laughs> so they're walking it back already. An inauspicious beginning for a complete unwinding of AT&T's massive investment in Warner Media. They're just selling it off again. That means AT&T... They bought DirecTV, destroyed its value, and are spinning it off. They bought Warner Media, destroyed its value, and are spinning it off. In the middle of all this is HBO Max, and nobody knows what they're going to do with HBO like Max. Just, if AT&T is buying you, run. Like, You're doomed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I knew Katie was the streaming reporter for us because yesterday in Slack, as we were talking about all this, she's like, is there anything AT&T can't kill? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like one, you're fresh faced and you're like, you believe that there's an answer to that question that isn't no. <laughs> and two, you've, you've already got it. Like you've already figured it out. <laughs> but it's like amazing that this deal, I mean, it was a huge deal. The Trump administration sued to block it because Trump was mad at CNN and he just wanted revenge on CNN. They failed the entire impetus of this deal was they were going to bundle HBO Max with AT&T services. That made no sense because there was a pandemic and people were not streaming HBO Max on their phones so much on AT&T's network. It's still just like they will throw HBO Max at you if you're an AT&T subscriber for any reason whatsoever. You like sneeze at the AT&T website. <laughs> like, would you like HBO Max? But none of that worked out and now they're spinning off. They filed a document with the SEC it's like an FAQ for investors. And all the questions are like, why, why was this deal ever a good idea? And they're like, we still think it was a good idea. We just think we have a better idea now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. So that's that. We're, we're going to unpack it. It is not closed. As we were talking about earlier in the show, there's a lot of antitrust action in the world. It's got to get approved. I can't imagine the government being like, we sued to block this deal, and now we're going we're gonna to sue you to unwind it. But it does have to pass muster. The merging with Discovery, though, is going to really suck if you're like a cable provider, because now like there's just this huge packet of channels that can negotiate big pay, like big rate increases. And right. that's not going to be great. Like I, I could I could definitely see there's still some protest into this merger spinoff, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't They're know. They're creating a new entity. Yeah. Um, also, uh, the revolving door of executives is wild. So, AT and T bought Time Warner. They installed a new set of executives. All the old Warner executives, including the head of HBO, left. Tons of creative left Warner. Then they installed a new CEO, Jason Kilar, who was the ex CEO of Hulu. Kilar said, all my movies are going to streaming day and day with theaters from now on. Pissed off everyone, including Christopher Nolan, who said, I'm done working with Warner Brothers. Then they spun it off and they're like, Kilar, you might be gone. And they've been, I think he's agreed to stay on for one year. But after that, he's out. So like, just the wreckage in the wake of this. Deal. And they killed two incredible streaming 
networks too because they killed filmstruck with the, with the merger the original merger and it was just like devastating if you were one of the four people who who subscribed <laughs> it was me it was just me in a trench coat and then they killed they killed the dc universe that was actually almost good if you were a giant giant nerd and enjoyed comic books again it was just me yeah sorry alex have you heard of hbo max uh, because we are happy to give you HBO Max for free if you're an AT&T subscriber. I, I've never paid for it. And I, I think I have four subscriptions already. They did, however, launch the HBO Max ad tier this week. Yeah. So you're going to try to grow that market. But just, uh, look, I know I have a lot of thoughts about antitrust all the time. I would be happy if the only antitrust law in this country was AT&T is not allowed to buy things. <laughs> just forbidden. I think it would work out. I'm just glad I live in the UK and things are a little less complicated over here. We just have to watch <laughs> government programming. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I know, I'm just saying, Senator Klobuchar, if you're listening, I know. I'm just assuming that after she was on Decoder, she's a hardcore Vergecast listener now. Um, that's a fair assumption, right? That's my idea for an antitrust bill. Just put that out there. Um, and then, lastly, speaking of other streaming news, Amazon entered a deal by MGM, which is super interesting because that one attracted way more antitrust interest, right? Your Josh Hollies or Klobuchar, like. Across the spectrum, we're mad at Amazon. We're not going to let them buy this extremely defunct film studio. They're going to. It's definitely. It's going to be fine. I just can't imagine that they're not going to clean house at MGM. Yeah. Right. Like Amazon's going to Amazonify that whole thing, and then like the you know the centerpiece of that studio is James Bond. And they don't even know the rights. Tom is a British person. Yeah. I think you you you're legally allowed to know the ownership structure of James Bond, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, he owns an Aston Martin, right? He <laughs> <laughs> was a BMW deal for a long time, but yeah, James Bond is creatively controlled by the Broccoli family mm-hmm. to this day, and so Amazon can't even like make that into a TV show. <laughs> Although I'm confident Jeff Bezos is just gonna like, throw money at that problem until it solves itself. That's how you, that's how you solve that problem, I think. Come on, put me in the bomb movie. I mean, he's so clearly the villain, though. Well, he doesn't know that. Plot twist. Look, if you, you know, James Bond, from from a different perspective, James Bond is the villain of all those movies. I'm just putting that out there. Oh, yeah, for sure. For some people in those movies, James Bond is, like, very much the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He's just in the way. He's blowing stuff up. He's sleeping with your girlfriend. Like, he just shows up and ruins all your plans. Well, he just sounds like a typical British person, man. You finally get your giant pit with sharks installed and you're happy <laughs> everything looks show. perfect and then james bond just swans in steals your girl blows up your sharks and murders you and takes your cat <laughs> that's the verge cast everybody we're gonna end on that note it was alex's first show <laughs> she's just as mad as james bond as i am a lot going on this week as you can tell a lot going on next week i want to call out uh, a thing we were not able to talk about there's also a chicken wing shortage in this country, in addition to a GPU shortage, Josh Dreza looked into why. It's not an obvious thing for a tech reporter to do. It is uh, because of SEO and delivery apps. This is a real thing. You just go read the story. It's very good. It is one of those, oh, computers led to an unexpected result stories in just the, in the wildest way. That's it. We, we went long. We actually went long this time. Alex, it was good to have you here. We're going to have you on again. It was super fun. I loved it. Alex, what, what's your Twitter? My, my Twitter is very simple. It's Alex H. Kranz. It's absolutely terrible. Please subscribe. Tom is Tom Warren. Dieter is at Backlon. I'm at Reckless. You can tweet at us. Uh, we had Horacio Gutierrez from Spotify on Decoder this week. Next week, it's the managing director of Y Combinator, the startup accelerator that funds okay. a lot of startups, including Coinbase, like just Coinbase, Dropbox, Airbnb. He runs that accelerator, Michael Seibel. He's on Decoder next week. That's a really good one. I look forward to it. 
And we got WWC. Okay, that's it. Rock and roll. Snip, snip. Bridging the gaps. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.